Hello, and welcome to Co-OpCast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. On this week's episode, Colin and Steve will get into all the co-op news, give their thoughts on some great games, and have a short topic discussion. Welcome to Co-OpCast, a podcast where we will discuss cooperative and solo board games. Join us as we talk about board game news followed by a discussion topic. Today's topic will be focusing on baseball games, specifically solo ones. My name is Steve, and joining me today is Trent, someone new. Hi, I'm Trent. I'm an amateur board gamer. <laughs> so yeah, Trent uh, Trent and I, we've we've met through our buddy John, and uh, just recently I, I was over in Iowa for work, and we had the opportunity of playing a baseball game together, and I figured that it might be a good, good topic for uh, today's episode. Yes, and another one that he lost, by the way. Everybody must remember that. Oh, one. you had to bring that up. We almost had a rain delay. Almost got away with it. <laughs> well, we'll get to that a little bit more later, I guess. We get ahead of ourselves here. Um, so, I guess uh, real quick, we have a kind of funny story of how we met. Go ahead and tell it, Trent. So, John had uh, acquired uh, the game Megasiv, and if everybody doesn't know what that one is by now, I'm, you should be ashamed of yourselves, and you need to look it up. It is like the six-foot-wide mega civilization game. You know, it comes in a nice wooden box. It's gloriously done. Um, there have been a few new updates, so it's okay. Things have gotten fixed, people. Don't be mad. Um, <laughs> so we, John had in, had told Steve that he had gotten this game, and Steve was like, oh, well, let's get together. Let's play it. So we got a group of friends together. Um, I had just met John probably a couple months prior to that and found out that we both like playing board games. So John's like, well, come up here. Come to Steve's house with me. Um, Steve never met me before. I ended up getting to spend the night at Steve's house before we got to play Mega Civ. First time we met. Yay, strange guy sleeping in your house. Woohoo! <laughs> but you you like games, so that was a that was a good start. So <laughs> <laughs> it was a very good start. And then uh, then you guys invited me to play D and D, so that shows you how nerdy I was. That was awesome. Yeah, Mega Civ is a ridiculous game. I don't. How long did it take us to play that game? How many hours was it? Uh, we were around 10 or 11 hours and victory was mine. You guys suck. I win again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that was, oh my gosh, that was so epic. It just took forever. It's, it's a long game. It's, if you have two days to play it, it's probably better, but it's a wonderful game. And if anybody hasn't played it, they need to. It's definitely an experience. So, well, yeah, thanks for joining me today, Trent. Um, so I guess let's jump into, uh, some recent games and things things you've done so any uh game related stuff you've been up to lately not a whole lot uh i did like i I was telling you before we started uh i played that i got crabs it's a cheap 20 dollar game at target uh if you it's a trick-taking game with secret signals and literally just trying to get a bunch of crabs to win yeah there's a lot of communication and a lot of um just hidden things that you're trying to do to help get your you and your partner to uh to win so, um, you know, you can't just play by yourself. You need, uh, the larger the group, the more fun it is. That's awesome. Yeah, those party games can be pretty fun. So, yeah, one of the party games I got to the table was uh, Codenames Duet. Now, we played this in the past. In fact, Trent and I played this at Gen Con last year a bunch. I think we played like almost a dozen times when we finally won yeah, one. Yeah, after we figured so... out we were playing wrong. <laughs> yeah. We, we, yep. we were playing advanced ruling without even realizing it. <laughs> oh right, yeah, I remember that. Oh man, that was I. Yeah, that was a great, good, great time. I love that game so much. 
but I hadn't played that with my wife until just recently. My uh, uh my family came over. We had actually a, a family event, a baptism specifically, and so it was a lot of family in town. And they came over, said it was rainy day, like, hey, let's go over to Steve's house, let's play some games, like. Yeah, of course, let's do it. Now, these are all very casual players and not really into the hobby quite yet, but so I introduced them a few games. We played uh, Go Cuckoo was one of them. Um, Trent knows this <laughs> one, of course. Uh, this is just a silly Haba game that's really fun. <laughs> you need to buy it, put it um, on your shelf. <laughs> it is. It's totally worth it. It's So basically what it is is you've got this tin can and you drop these sticks in the middle and you take turns pulling these sticks out and the sticks have different colors on them. And if you pr- have a matching color... Uh, it lets you put an egg in this nest. And you're basically pulling these sticks, put them down horizontally, make this big nest, put eggs, try and put eggs on top of it without them falling in and trying to empty your hand of eggs. And if you do that, you can put this giant, uh, no, cuckoo bird on top of it. And it's really simple, just a simple dexterity game, but for whatever reason, it's a blast. Everyone has a has a, a lot of fun playing this one. Yeah, and um, think of it like kind of like the old game Kerplunk, except exactly. you're adding the sticks to then put in an egg-shaped ball because you're not just using a round ball. They're egg-shaped. So, of course, they don't sit perfect. So that's the that's the easy visualizing of it is kerplunk because everybody's like, I don't understand this kerplunk. That's the way to go every time. <laughs> yep, that's a great example, a description of it. So, yes, we played that bunch, and uh, the uh, family liked that, and then I transitioned them to Codenames Duet, and this was the first time I, my wife played it. And I'm glad that she also shares my opinion that Duet is much better than the the original game. Not saying the original game is bad or not. I just love Duet so much. The fact that the whole entire table can give clues to each other, it helps a lot. Everyone feels more engaged. And plus, it is cooperative, so I'm a little biased there, of course. So we played that a bunch of times. And, of course, hilarity ensued when uh, my in-laws, they cannot keep their mouths shut when trying to give clues. They keep, keep giving these other clues off to the side like no of course it, it was this one no, you can't you can't say that you just can't give more clues but i don't understand why i can't oh it's so funny we were laughing so much but yeah great game Codenames well at least your family had a better time doing it than my uh my my family on uh, my wife's side i should say did they um they had a rough time of getting the concept of giving a clue to help the other side get the name get the code correct like they just couldn't wrap their head that they had a good. They had a side. We had a side, and we were trying to help each other. They couldn't get that through their heads. Like they wanted oh, no. to be versus each other. They were no cooperation in there. Oh man, did you try playing the regular version with them? That go over better? No. Or no, no. We uh, what game do we? Uh, we end up playing Magic Maze with them, and it went fat. They uh, they absolutely nice. love that one, and that's a great one. Um, to me, that's a great party game. Up to eight people can play it. You know, um, the best part is, is I don't know about you guys, but sometimes you just wish your in-laws would shut up. Perfect game. <laughs> yep, that's a nice nice side effect to that one for sure. <laughs> yeah, the only other game I've played recently, um, I recently received the expansion to Nemo's War. So I had to take that to on the spin again. And oh my gosh, I love Nemo's War so much. And these new upgrades is... Uh, is great so it's only 12 additional upgrades but percentage wise that's a big jump from what was in the base game and for me i love upgrading a nautilus ship in that game it's so much fun so i played that the other other day on the explore motive and had a blast that game is easily one of my favorite if not my favorite solo game out there it's i am so looking forward to playing with you 
uh, at Gen Con with that one. I can maybe bring that. I've not played it cooperative yet. I must, am, well, must admit. Well, we could but, get um, it at the uh, the library. You don't need to bring it. Oh, that's true. There's a library. Yeah, I can teach you to it. It's um, it's got a little bit of everything in there for someone. I feel it feels like a a euro when you're trying to, I don't know, maximize and math out your your plan, but it's dice rolling in there for for uh, a mere trash, and then you've got your uh, war warship tokens for war gamers. So it's a little bit of everything in there. It's quite fun. Like Captain is it. dead. That's the new one. That's what I'm uh, looking forward to. Like you said, was coming out this year. So. Oh yeah, that's uh, I'm definitely buying that one at Gen Con this year. So we'll uh, we'll report back for sure. <laughs> that's so. that's what I'm excited for because I like the first one a lot. Mm-hmm, I agree. Cool. Well, that's kind of what we've been playing recently. Let's get into some news, and there's definitely some news topics we want to discuss. So let's start with some Kickstarter news. In fact, most of it is Kickstarter news, but let's talk about Dawn of the Zeds Third Edition. So this is on Kickstarter right now. So this game is fully funded as of this recording. It will end Friday, July 27th. It is a cooperative version of Dawn of the Zeds. If you're not familiar with it, um, I believe that Dawn of the Zeds used to be a solo game uh, from Victor Point Games. And now with this new third edition, they actually made it cooperative. They added some cool expansion packs with it. So in Dawn of the Zeds, you are trying to defend Farmville from, from invading zombies. And there's a bunch of different scenarios you can pick from uh, different heroes. It plays uh, max five players in about two hours. You can actually play uh, versus as well. They added that into this new version. So uh, all the heroes have unique abilities, and it's supposed to be very cinematic. I've unfortunately not played this one. Have you? Played no, this one, I friend? have not played this one either. It looks good. It's kind of on my radar. I kind of want to see if uh, maybe we can see it out out at Gen Con this year. So. Yeah, they probably have the other editions out. I'm not sure they'll have this one, but it'll be fun to definitely check it out a little bit more. So definitely my watch list, but that's uh, Dawn of the Zeds, third edition on Kickstarter. So Overturn Rising Sands um, looks awesome. The miniatures are fabulously done. I mean, there's so much that you can get with this. Just as extras alone, the details are amazing. Um it's looking like a great cooperative game, and especially if you love the um, kind of Middle Eastern uh, folklore, this is like right up your alley. Um, of course, they're going to add dragons and everything like that to it. Why wouldn't you? Dragons make everything better. Of course better. they do. Of course. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it is kind of unique. Uh, there are several purchase options right now on Kickstarter for this. It is ending July 19th. So yeah, so this game looks amazing. I, if you guys have a chance to just look at it on Kickstarter, it has these buildings that you can get for it, and the board just pops. It looks awesome. And I, I really appreciate a different theme than we're seeing. It's not just a, a straight-up fantasy theme. It's now you're in, like you said, like a Arabia or the Middle East, and it's just a, a welcome change from what we've seen all the time. And it sounds like, too, that it's not just... It's more of a, a world you can interact with where you can go and interact and talk with merchants and do other things while instead of just fighting it out. So, I don't know. This looks pretty pretty cool. I'm, I, I'm pretty excited from what I'm seeing here. Tons of minis, crocodiles, dragons, of course, giant uh, giant scorpions. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, this is... It looks great. I mean... They even did a great job on the video, which, I mean, they always do a great job on the video to show you what's going on. 
but uh, I'm really excited to see how well this one's going to go. Um, the other thing I really like about it, too, is that the fact that you can play with people, you can play competitively against people, and you got a solo mode. So it's perfect for guys like me whose wife doesn't really like a good thinker. She prefers the dexterity game, so uh, keep keep overturned rising sands on your radar. So the next game I'll talk about is Black Orchestra Conspirator Packs. You'll be like, wait a second, we already talked about Black Orchestra. I'm like, yep, we have. But this is a new expansion. Well, kind of expansion. Uh, in the first edition of Black Orchestra, if you pre-ordered it directly from the publisher, uh, they gave you some extra promo promotional conspirators, which is really cool. But with the second printing they did, they, for whatever reason, did not include those conspirators with the second printing, the second edition. This Kickstarter is to fix that. So now you can back for, I think it's like $9, and get those missing promo conspirators. In addition to that, get additional conspirators. So this looks awesome. Um, I'm a huge fan of Black Orchestra. I think it's really fun. The tension in that game is awesome. And it's got some really good historical immersion in it. I've talked about it in the podcast before. I won't get into too much detail about that. But this looks really good. My only, my only concern about this is I do have the first edition and I've kind of merged it with the second edition changes. They did not provide the new style of the conspirators for the first edition owners so if you were to back this being a first edition owner you'll have a mix match of different formats for your conspirators which isn't a huge deal i mean they look differently but they, f they function the same but it would have been nice to at least have all the have them all look the same maybe in the future they'll fix that but otherwise yeah to go check this out if you have the game i think this is a, a no-brainer to buy. Yeah, so that's Black Orchestra Conspirator Packs. It's already funded, and it will end July 26. So the next game we'll talk about is a big one on Kickstarter. This is Cthulhu Death May Die. <laughs> this is one of cool mini or not <laughs> big launches. Everybody's favorite <laughs> game to talk about right now. It is Cthulhu Death May Die. Uh, not only are you going to die, you're going to die a lot. Not only for the game, but for the price, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, so <laughs> we should talk about this game a little bit. Um, it's already funded. A, it's. I mean, this is the first day it launched as of this recording, and it's already over a million dollars in in pledges. Um, Eight thousand backers. It's going to end July twenty fourth, so this is definitely going to fund. If you haven't checked this game out, this game kind of broke the word miniature. Uh, because they made a miniature that is ginormous. That this this thing is huge. It's like a max maxiature, however you want to say it. So, um, and that's what a lot of people are getting excited about. It is. I I can't even describe the, the the size of this thing. It just dwarfs all these normal miniatures in size, and it's an optional buy. So, the base game, you can pledge for just uh, one hundred dollars, which is expensive, of course. But to get this giant maxiature or <laughs> giant miniature, it's $250. So really you're spending around $150 more to get this giant miniature, which it's probably more like a statue than the, than a miniature at this point. Uh, so that's already So expensive. standing heights for this, they say it's 57 centimeters, which is about 22 and a half inches tall. That is ridiculous. 
Honestly, when I saw this picture the first time, I thought it was the mold they were making to make the miniature out of, not the actual miniature. Yeah, it is uh, ridiculous. So, and I mean, it is. I mean, the base for the base for it is 44 centimeters, or about 17 and a third inches. That is ridiculous. It, it's a huge, huge. It's a huge <laughs> mini with air quotations. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah I, i'm trying to think of how would you even store this it'd probably just be like a shelf piece honestly rather than putting it in the box or on your you'd have to your... put it out on the shelf because you want to get it painted you want it out right you just spent 220 dollars to get this game you're gonna have to show it <laughs> off i mean you're gonna probably have to pay somebody another 50 bucks just to paint the thing so right. i mean at the end of the day i mean it, it looks awesome it looks cool it's just a really really high priced item and they already have like i mean a bunch of kickstarter goals already done that i think it's already met every single one of them well yeah knowing cool Mini or not they have tons of stretch goals already planned and everything oh yeah and this is by uh, rob davio and eric lang so obviously well-known designers everybody loves um, those guys Definitely. I think there there's something worth mentioning, though, and I think this is worth bringing up. Uh, so when this launched, they actually had um, almost like an early bird system going where the to get this giant miniature we keep talking about, it was limited to only 100 backers at a cost of $225. And so people were like really upset about that because, oh, wow, it, it was gone, I think, within the first three minutes of this going live. Yeah, all those pledges were gone. It was crazy. It was uh, two twenty, two twenty-five, then two thirty, then two thirty-five, then two forty, then two forty-five, and then it hit two fifty. Yeah. So what they were doing is they kept adding a hundred more backers each time, basically, and but raising the price each time that they, they that uh, miniature uh, pledge level sold out. And then once they hit the two fifty mark, instead of raising the money, uh, the price even more they started extending the time to delivery. So it started with you're up to January um, delay. So, I mean, if you were lucky enough to get it earlier, you got it all the way up you're to... You're at April, April 2020 right now. Oh, April 2020. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, April 2020. But if you were one of the first ones, you would get it in July 2019. And then the next next uh, pledge level was uh, August. Yep. And then September, so on and so forth. And so they kept going so until they, like you said, got to April 2020. So I don't know. I mean, I think this was an effective way of getting people to jump on and build that hype engine right away. But I'm, I'm not a fan of it from a backer standpoint. I mean, I think I would have been a little bit more open to this concept if it was more transparent up front what they were going to do. Because I felt like this was kind of sprung on a surprise where it was like, oh, yeah, here's a optional buy. But it was never really pushed to be something that was uh, limited or, or exclusive necessarily in that sense. It was just like, oh, by the way, you can only get through this Kickstarter, but you can have to buy it optionally. That's fine. And then to log on and find out, oh, by the way, if you happen to be on when it went live, you got a reduced price and got it early. I don't know. It doesn't seem very, I don't know. I'm not too happy about that situation. Yeah, I agree because uh, unfortunately, like for me, like uh, I mean, probably like a lot of people out there, you can't just get it on your phone or get on the Kickstarter anytime you want during your workday. So you'd have to plan around it or even know about it. The other thing I don't like is, is great. 
these guys get it for $220. i am having to pay $30 more. I'm not getting anything extra for my $30 other than a longer wait time. If it was $220 and they just said, look, we're, we can only produce this many at this amount of time and just keep adding $220 at a different month, I would have totally been okay with that. Um, you know, Agreed. But by the fact that it's April 2020, I'll be able to go buy it off the shelf before then. Yeah, not to mention there's going to be people who buy this just to resell it. And so you're going to be fighting that while you're still winning to get exactly. your copy. Exactly. So, and I mean, I don't think uh, the giant, oh, the giant Chachula is a Kickstarter exclusive too. So you can't even just buy that one. You're not going to be able to buy that off the shelf. So, you know, right. if you want it, you're going to be waiting until April now. T- April 2020. Yeah. Let me rephrase that again. 2020 for 250 smackaroos. Yeah, at this point, I'd rather probably take that money and turn it into overturn Rising Sands, what we mentioned earlier. So I think it's probably, it's well, I'm not a huge fan of horror to begin with, and then um, seeing seeing what I'm seeing, this gameplay doesn't, it's not really grabbing me. Doesn't look bad necessarily, but this whole fiasco with the Kickstarter how it's handled, no, it doesn't give me motivation to want to. And I agree, back it. not a lot of motivation to back it right now. That was. Cthulhu Death May Die. The next game I'll mention isn't on Kickstarter yet, but will be on Kickstarter July 16th, and that is Thunderstone Quest. You'll be like, wait a second, didn't you already mention this and talk about this? We have, but I guess what's happened is the makers of uh, Alderac have listened to the input from uh, consumers and is relaunching Thunderstone Quest on Kickstarter and adding to it. They're actually creating a cooperative and solo uh, mode to play this game now so yeah we talked about this game back in episode 30 when howard was on the podcast and we talked about uh, the possibility of doing solo mode for thunder zone quest and it wasn't really supported now but it sounds like they're finally making cooperative and solo so don't have a whole lot of information out there right now there's uh, some development uh, developer blog you can read up on but i'm sure we'll revisit this when the kickstarter actually launches that was Thunderstone. Steve and I found out that we both liked uh, baseball highlights. Uh, and I will have to say, John, so friend John also gave me this. Uh, the baseball highlights, 2485 for helping him out, do some stuff. Uh, Steve and I got on the topic of baseball, and we both realized, well, I have it. He has it. So then we started playing uh, via online, so using Skype. Uh, or hangouts to um, play each other. One of the first times we played online, um, I had not actually played this game very much. I only played it like twice. Uh, Steve has played it a billion times by now. Um, Steve was taking the correct way of playing the game of you limit yourself to 15 cards in your uh, player deck, correct? Yep, your lineup, yep. Uh, 15 player cards in your deck. However, I never got rid of my cards. I was playing, by the end of the game, I was probably playing with a deck of about 40 cards. That's probably true. Um, The sad part is, for Steve, is he only beat me by a run. Yep. And then he looks down the camera and he sees me, like, separating all these cards out. And he goes, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm separating my cards. How many cards do you have there? <laughs> That's when I found out I was playing it wrong. And still almost beat him. 
So if you're not familiar with this game, um, this is a deck builder. It is supposed to be baseball in the future, hence the 2045 date on it. And what's happened is baseball has, the rules have changed. They tried to improve the game to get more audience people, audience watching the game. And so they cut the, the game from nine innings to six innings. And because there's a future, now we have robots and cyborgs playing. So for example, your cyborgs have robotic arms so they can pitch better. And robots are awesome at batting. And then the regular normal humans are just good at fielding the ball. So there's basically three types of characters in the game. And you have a deck of 15 cards and that's your lineup and never changes or decreases. You could just substitute people in and out as to play and to play in a game of baseball on this. It's you're just playing really six cards, one card for each six innings. And it takes probably, I don't know, like max 10 minutes to play a game of it. And then between each game, you do a, a draft. So you add no, more players in and you do another game. So you can play a whole world series in like, 45 minutes to an hour easy it's a really fast fast yeah and it's game. a lot of fun um if you like baseball at all you're gonna enjoy this game there's a lot of little little things that you have to get used to like the way batting and fielding work um especially for taking your turn at the right time the speed of the characters as they run around the bases so you have a slow runner a regular runner and a fast runner so remembering exactly what can do what at what time that takes a little bit of getting used to, but it's pretty easy. If you have a slow runner in front of anybody, guess what? They're going to be sitting on base somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> usually once you have your average or fast runners out there, it, they move a lot quicker and they get a lot more bases. So, Yeah, this is uh, the, the base game will play up to four players normally, but it's it primarily is a two-player game in all honesty because you're playing 1v1. And you're, if you have four players and you're playing two games simultaneously of 1v1, so you can play like a bracket or tournament format. Uh, but the game also plays one player, and that's why we're talking about this on the podcast. So we'll talk about how does it play one player versus multiplayer and uh, go from there. And um, the other game we'll talk about is one we played at Gen Con, bottom of the ninth. And this was pretty fun. We were, uh, Trent and I were just walking around Gen Con. This was last year, I believe. Yep, the 50th correct? Gen Con. That's right, 50th. I remember seeing Bottom of the Ninth on Kickstarter, but for some reason I didn't wind up backing. I don't remember why. Anyway, we uh, waited in line, and we watched the people in front of us play this game, and before they finished the game, we were standing next to him cheering, both of us cheering, and there's a little bit of a crowd gathering. So they, they finished, we sat down, and we started playing this game. And the same thing happened with us, where other people gather around, and everyone's cheering. It was Something about this game is just really So, fun. Bottom of the Ninth. It's a great, it's, you can either play it solo or two players. It takes about five to 20 minutes, depending on how everything falls. And if you're playing solo versus uh, cooperative or against somebody, not cooperatively, sorry. <laughs> yeah, going, okay. being competitive, got to let that other guy lose. So you have the um, away, so it's the bottom of the ninth inning. The away team's pitching, the home team's up to bat. You are trying to, as the away team, get your last final three outs. The home team, they're just trying to score that one walk-off run. That's all they're trying to do. Um, so the good part is, is if you score that run, you win as the home team. 
if the away team uh, can knock you out, so catch that final ball, get those three outs, boom, the away team win, wins and walks away with the victory. So Steve and I got to play this when we were at Gin Con. Like he was saying, the crowd just gathers around you. It's hilarious. Um, I even offered to buy the table that they had there to play bottom of the ninth because they had a custom printed table with the uh, the bottom of the ninth board on it and all the cool little uh, accessories. So I even offered and said, look, if you guys will sell this to me on Sunday night, I will buy this off of you guys. So you guys don't have to haul it anywhere. <laughs> I didn't get the table. That game's a, it, it's, it's a great, I think I paid $20 for it or 20 or $25 for it. And then I think I paid another $10 for both the expansions that gave you uh, some extra batting and coaches and some extra advantages or disadvantages, depending on which team you're on. If you're at the home team or the away team. So you do get to start off. It's um, you have your, you get to have a selection of batters. Um, we are now playing with what we call the rain delay game condition. So the best part about this card is, so the very front of it has a nice picture of a rainy day. It's nice and raining. Looks great. On the back side, though, prior to playing, but after game setup, so you have to set the game up, place rain delay on the field board. The batter then rolls the swing die. If they roll a one, postpone the game. Back up bottom of the ninth and attempt again to play tomorrow. Two to four, you uh, play through it. The uh, pitcher gets uh, minus one control, and the batter gets minus one speed. And if you get a five or six, game on, rain pass, play with normal conditions. Steve and I played this last time when he was here uh, in town, and uh, we had a nice play through it. So that was a nice rough game for both of us to uh, have to go through and play. So you have uh, there's literally three dice to the game. You have two for the pitcher, one for the batter. Um, the pitcher has a, the pitcher has one die that is made for strikes, balls, or hitting the corner of the plate. The other die is going to tell you how successful they are on that, and it's just a regular six-sided die. Then the batter, they have a single six-sided die, and that is going to tell you how it plays out depending on, um, what pitch was thrown. Um, but before all that gets started, before you throw any pitches or anything, uh, there are two discs. One has low and high written on it, and the other has inside and away. Now, both the pitcher and the batter both get these discs, uh, one of each. The batter is trying to guess what the pitcher is going to throw to give them an advantage, and the pitcher is trying to get lucky enough not to have the batter guess what they're throwing. Um, each pitcher does have their uh, special... Um, throwing ability like a low and away pitch um, so that is tracked through the game so they do get fatigued so they can't just always throw their super pitch um, but if the batter gets that it's low and away then the batter will get the advantage of maybe getting a nice good crush it or getting an extra base when they get on base there I highly recommend it. It's a great game uh, whole total setup teardown you're looking at maybe a 15 minute game for a one whole game playthrough. Yeah, let's talk about that for both these games. Let's compare them for step and tear down. So, so yeah, it takes 15 minutes to to step and tear down 
and play yeah. really. Bottom of the ninth, I mean, you can get a whole entire game. I mean, if it takes you 20 minutes, it's your first time playing the game. Like, I feel like that's how this game is. And then I think, um, since you and I have played it enough, I think by the time we set up, I think what takes us the longest is deciding who we want pitching and who we want batting. I think that takes us the longest time for us. But the actual game setup from putting the board up, getting all the pieces out, I it's you're looking at two minutes at that for bottom of the ninth just for that once you actually select characters you're probably making you're probably looking at five minutes yeah and i think for a baseball highlights it's probably about the same set of times well maybe it's a little bit longer so for set for that one you've got this huge well at least if you're like me can't stop buying the expansions for it you've got this huge agent deck which is basically all the characters you can recruit through that the game so that's a just a giant deck you, st- you throw out there, and then you normally just pick um, one of the starter teams you want to want to play with, and grab a uh, player board, which is a baseball diamond, and you're kind of kind of set to go there. Um, the the play time of it varies though, because you can choose to play baseball highlights however you want. You could do a, a World Series, so you know seven games, or you can do a pregame before the World Series, or you can just do best of three, best of four. Uh, you kind of You've got choices how you want to how you want to play it. The longer you play the game, generally the more advanced and more combos you can add to the deck as you upgrade it. Um, but you can also choose to skip ahead and upgrade your deck before playing a game as well. There's rules for that. So between the two of them, though, when it comes to setup and teardown, I do think it's easier overall to set up bottom of the ninth just because it's a small package easy to go to set up i mean the hardest part about it is definitely choosing your lineup but even then if you don't care a whole lot you can just kind of random it and you'd probably be okay for the most part yeah um oh well, i think the setup for both of them is pretty easy um un- unfortunately for you you have uh, about ten thousand more cards than i do so that's probably why i don't feel like it's hard for me um mainly because i usually play with the same teams over and over again so, um, but yeah, um, you have one upgrade deck, which is nice. Um, you can either have everything in it or not a lot. Um, the one thing I have to say though, I do like about baseball highlights is that it does have a nice card divider set up in it. So you can divide, uh, several different teams or, uh, different scenarios up if you need to have it done. Um, the game boards themselves just like the car, uh, bottom of the ninth, they're both uh, pretty nice cardboard. Um, I think the bi- the baseball highlight ones are more of that. Um, they're not really cardboard. I would probably say they're more of the um, the plastic poster board you'd buy for uh, doing school projects. That's kind of because it yeah. doesn't really have a lot of flex. To, there is some flex, but I mean to bend it, you're going to have a lot. It's a lot harder than cardboard, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's pretty good. Quote, yeah, wise, so. so. Let's move on to the next category. Let's talk about theme. Which theme we think is better? So, um, which, and I guess in this case, what do you feel more is more baseball-ish between the two of them? Well, the bottom of ninth games on the line, of course, that's going to always get everybody. Um, you know, everybody's going to want to get that, that last out or get that, that walk-in run or that, that run-in. So um, it's hard for me to say which theme I like better because I like both the games a lot. Um Baseball highlights, because I, you know, I like my little bit of robots and everything, um, and cyborgs thrown in, so it always adds a good mix to it. Um, but for playing time-wise, I'm gonna say I have to say uh, 
I'm going to always go probably towards the bottom of the ninth just for time-wise. And you can get more people playing it quickly. Literally, if you watch somebody play bottom of the ninth one time, you're not going to have any questions on how to play. You're going to know it. It's that simple of a game. Um, baseball highlights, there's a little bit more strategy, I feel like, to it. Um, so theme-wise, I mean, I like the future theme just because I like the future. But it's hard for me not to love the bottom of a ninth inning of a baseball game when it's tie game one run wins it you know what i mean so yeah you got distilled down to the most exciting part of the game yep makes sense yeah this is a tough that's a tough one for me um i think because bottom of the ninth is more normal baseball it has a strong link to the theme that way because obviously with robots and cyborgs you kind of have a departure from the baseball theme at least now we do um but between the two of them I still feel a little more baseball themes sticking out of baseball highlights. It's a tough one. And I think that's because what we're doing in bottom of the ninth, it's a little more abstract where you're trying to, you know, guess the pitch a little bit. And it's kind of, I don't know, it breaks me from that, that theme a little bit. I mean, you're kind of, you're trying to predict what your opponent's going to do in baseball highlights as well. So that element's still in both. But I think the fact that you're rolling dice as opposed to just resolving cards might i don't know break break that theme a little bit more for me plus with uh, baseball highlights the fact that i can have a a team a lineup and actually can see them grow and can see how they um interact with each other where i feel like when somebody plays on a really big hitter i feel like i'm fighting i'm, I'm fighting i'm going against a, a big slugger as opposed to when somebody puts down a uh a batter who has a potential of being a slugger in bottom of the ninth, I don't necessarily feel the same same threat. Right, yeah. And see, yeah, I agree. See, the hard part is I couldn't really pick one or the other. <laughs> so I, I went with the one I've been playing the most. So, <laughs> <laughs> so and let's uh, let's move on to solo. So between the two games, um, what do you think of how the solo is played between them? Do you have a preference of which one? Not really. I... The solo for bottom of the ninth is a little straightforward. I mean, it's literally just flipping a card over, and that tells you what's going to happen. Uh, for as in, like, uh, the pitching side or um, and things like that, because uh, it's kind of... Hold on. I just had a card out, and I just put them away because I wasn't thinking about it. You know, they have pitchers that you just pick up, and so you're pretty much going against them. You have injury bug, you know, eject a batter, you select for the scenario and choose a replacement from outside the game. So the good part is if you need to, you're not liking the way a guy is, you can get him out. But, I mean, and it tells you that stare down, pitcher selects ace pitch. So you don't get to pick, you don't get to really fight on like what like you and I would get to do, like pick the low and away or anything. They just get that pitch and you can't do anything about it. So, I mean, that's the... That's the only downside I feel about the solo, but other than that, I mean, it's, I really, I like the solo for it. For baseball highlights, this one would probably be more up your alley, because I think you've probably played a lot more of the solo than I have. Yeah, so I think both these games work fine solo. I do like baseball highlights better solo. Give the nod to baseball highlights. So how, how that works is you literally just take that agent deck and you grab 
15 random cards from the agent deck and that is the ai your, your opponent you're facing baseball highlight so it's super easy to set up and then on your turn you're going to be playing your cards just normally you play a normal game and all you do is flip the top card of that deck and resolve it like you would be playing a normal opponent and for, for whatever reason it actually works it works out really well and it, it, and it almost feels like at times that the ai is making smart decisions despite the fact that it's random where, and what I mean by that is sometimes I'll have I'll have a robot batter out there and he's going to hit like two or three balls and then I flip the top card of the AI deck and it's like, oh, by the way, cancel all hits against a robot. I'm like, really? That happened to come up just when I was playing my robot? I'm like, oh, come on. It's, it's something that a human player would definitely do. And so because of the ease of setup and it still feels like you're playing against an actual opponent and it's challenging too because you're playing... Uh, non-upgraded deck versus an upgraded deck and you can choose the scaling you can actually upgrade your deck um a number of times to even it out if you want to don't want to play too challenging against that um i just it's just so easy to run and it feels natural I, I definitely get the nod to baseball highlights so multiplayer um let's talk about how we like playing this game multiplayer and or competitive in this this case go ahead and start it off which one do you like better? Oh, that's hard, man. That is hard because um, it is. The bad part is I wouldn't <laughs> give the nod to either one because they both have their own kind of style of playability. And the sad part of this kind of goes on to like kind of your next thing about uh, being the replayability. You can play both of them multiple times and have different results every single time, whether you're going against yourself or multiple people. Um, I do like the tournament style that you can do with baseball highlights, but I'm pretty sure you could do the same thing with bottom of the ninth if you had two or more, two or three more boxes, and you could just make a tournament bracket just like you would for um, the baseball highlights. You know, once you play like earlier, if you play baseball highlights by the correct rules, you might have a little bit better luck. Um, <laughs> but I mean, other than that, I mean, it's really hard for me to say that either one's a bad one. Um, the good part about baseball highlights, just out of the base box alone you can play four people. That's no extras. That's literally just what comes in the box. You can play up to four people. Bottom of the ninth is strictly a one to two player game. So yep. that's all you can do for either one of those. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you a, a bit on this one too, where multiplayer, I think they're, they're both really fun. It's hard to pick between the two of them, honestly. It's, I, I will say this much. I do prefer baseball highlights over bottom of the ninth. I like that it feels more, um, I have more control over my strategy when I'm trying to do in it. Not saying you can't do that in, in, in bottom of the ninth, um, but there's there's more dice rolling and, I don't know, luck in, luck in that one. But you also it's also very exciting in bottom of the ninth where you were explaining the rules earlier where you're both rolling a dice as fast as possible to see if you can make it, to, make it safe on the base. That's, I don't know, it's just really fun and exciting. People are cheering and oohs and ahs and and when you roll a crush uh roll everyone gets all excited to see what's going to happen because this could be this could be the game right here on this one roll and that's what makes it really fun so you still have that in baseball highlights a, a bit too but it's not based on roll it's based upon playing a card where you can be like man if i get if i get this home run resolved i can get my grand slam and and steal the win um but it's not on the roll of a dice and something about rolling a dice can be quite exciting so um personally i like the gameplay of baseball highlights but bottom ninth is still really good uh so let's move on to the next one well i guess we talked about replayability a little bit but just to clarify that um 
I think both these games have strong replayability. I think there's a lot of depth in baseball highlights. You can a lot of agents you can you can explore how the combos work and you can try out a bunch of different teams. Same thing with uh, the lineups in bottom of the ninth. There you can try different lineups, different strategies on like who you want to go first and how you want to approach different different pitchers. I think I might have to call this a wash. I don't know the one yeah, better than that. Yeah, that I couldn't go either way on. Um, definitely, it, the amount of playability I've already done in both of these games is significant. So I mean, I've, I mean, heck, Steve. Every time we see each other, we got to play at least one of these. And if we don't play, or, or we got to yep. play it online because you know, super nerds, what's up? <laughs> Love a game so much, you got to play play online. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's you can't. You, there's no choice in these. Um, I think it's a wash on that one. Um, but but let's talk about the art in this man and the components. But the art in both these games is awesome. I, I couldn't tell you which one I like more for art wise, because the art in baseball highlights is amazingly done. All the cyborgs, all the humans, all the robots, super well done. I I mean I would be hoping. That if I saw a robot, it'd look like one of these. They look cool. <laughs> Very imaginative, definitely. Uh, and then, yeah. like, bottom of the ninth, I mean, just the cards, I mean, the components and also in baseball highlights are very well done. Um, all the cards are really nice. They're not cheap, crappy cards um, that you'd catch, like, in a $2 deck of cards that you'd buy somewhere. Um, these are very nicely done. Um, I probably should sleeve them. I have not. Um, just to keep them to last a little longer. Going to bottom of the ninth, I love that you have meeples that look like they're running and others that look like they're throwing, I, and, and they're really well done. The baseball cards in this are absolutely phenomenal. The front side is kind of a high gloss, or I guess more of a they have a more of a sheen to them. Versus the back, they look like old baseball cards. They have that feel, kind of like an old baseball card would, like kind of a little bit more cardboardy feel. They're not exactly like the old, old school baseball cards that you would get from like the 50s, 60s, and 70s, or even older than that. They're not that kind of feel, but they give you kind of that reminiscence of baseball cards like that. So yeah, I'm gonna agree with you on art and components. Um, I don't have any problems with the component or art on either of these games. They're both excellent quality components, excellent art. But I'm going to agree with you that if I were to give it a nod, I would give it to bottom of the ninth. And then for the reasons you already stated, that the fact they turned the the cards you play for setting up your lineup for your pitchers and your batters is exactly reminiscent reminiscent of those old baseball cards you used to collect with the same sheen and that the same back texture. It has that strong nostalgia factor. And then the other thing they did on that was they actually have a little little board we can keep track of your uh, balls and strikes and you flip that, that board over and it looks like a stick of gum, which always used to come in baseball packs. And then the meeples on top of that, that look like they're running and throwing. Yeah. I'm going to have to give the nod to uh, the bottom ninth for a component. They did an awesome job for the nostalgia, but honestly you won't be, you won't be upset by either of these in that category. No, Yeah. And I, I can't believe I forgot about the stick of gum. Cause that's one of my favorite pieces. <laughs> it's so silly just they have it in there i love it yeah move on to the next category of value and content in the box um i think value wise i think they're both spot on um i think bottom of the ninth i mean you're looking at about 20 bucks 
I think baseball highlight, I think right now is about $30. I think depending on where you buy it from, you're looking at about $30 at the low end. Um, maybe that's a used copy. Maybe a brand new copy is closer to 40, I think. So value wise though, for the box, what you get in the box, I'm going to have to kind of more lean towards bottom of the ninth, just for what comes as a starting components, because there's a lot of add-ons for baseball highlights which I feel kind of hurts baseball highlights a little to me um, just for the fact of if you want like a certain baseball team from a certain city, it's going to cost you like 10 bucks, or it's going to cost you at least $5 to get that team. Bottom of the ninth, you don't have teams. You make it right there with whatever cards you pick. So that's kind of the difference on the two. But to me, both come as a great value for the game that you're getting also. Like, Baseball Highlight gives you four players, so that's not too bad. So if you're paying $40 for Baseball Highlights versus the $20 to the bottom of the ninth, it's 10 bucks a player. I mean, you're right on, they're right in the same value as each other. So price-wise, I couldn't really go one way or the other than, do you want a quicker game versus a longer game? That's where it's going to come down to, how much time you want to spend playing a game. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I think both these games are reasonably, reasonably priced, like you mentioned. Um, the expansions for baseball highlights, there's a ton of them out there. You can really get overwhelmed trying to figure out what you want to buy, which ones you you, you want to seek out. But they can range in value a little bit, but they're generally around $8 mark um, to get the pack of, I think it's like 15 cards or so. So it can add up if you want to go ahead and get everything everything for baseball highlights, like somebody on this podcast who can't say no to this game <laughs> so um yeah your wallet would be a little bit easier price wise for uh bottom of the ninth but you don't have as much out for it yet i'm sure they're gonna keep supporting it uh so no concerns there but yeah i guess it depends on how much replayability you're going to put in these games i think because of the agent deck and Baseball highlights is so large, you're going to have a lot of variety if you want to buy a lot of the expansions. So that might help with the value proposition. But if you're not someone who plays games a ton, um, I think bottom ninth would be fine. So I'd like to give the nod to one of these games, but I think it really depends on your gaming habits, which one may be better for you when looking at value independent of the rest of the factors we already discussed. So, but yeah. Basically a wash. Can't go wrong with either so of these games. Then, okay, so portability, though. I will tell you the nod's going to go to the bottom of the ninth for just sheer game size. Yep, agreed. I think you can, just for height-wise, you can stack about two about two of the bottom of the ninths on top of each other. The front of the box, if you just lay bottom of the ninth going across it, you can probably get three of those across, uh, from top to bottom then. So, I mean, your portability for bottom of the ninth is right there. I mean, that's the small pack in your backpack, you know, <laughs> that front pocket in your backpack right there. That's where that goes. This is kind of no contest. Definitely the nods for bottom of the ninth due to box size. And, and I mean, you could just bring a few starter teams out of baseball highlights and leave the rest of them home or wherever you are. But you still have to bring that agent deck, and you can bring a portion of it if you want if as an option. But you really want the whole thing, honestly. Yeah, it, so it's just not it's not easy to carry in that regard, and it it's gets kind of heavy actually too when you start adding a lot of cards. You would know box. about that. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that kind of 
does a comparison between those two games. If you had to pick one game, what would you pick? Moment of truth, Trent. Oh, I'm going to bow out of that. Cause I can't, I, dude, it's so hard for me because I love Bottom of the Ninth just because how easy it is to get around. Uh, I love the artwork in it. Um, the fact that it's a quick game and you can teach anybody how to play this quickly. Um, if they Literally, if two people know how to play it, a third and fourth person could literally just sit there and watch you. And they could turn around and play it right after you. That's true. And and have very minimum questions. And usually the questions are going to come down to like the cards themselves with a very specific issue that you would have to just address. Baseball highlights. I feel it's the same way. You could literally sit there. Two people could play it. Somebody else could just immediately pick it up right after you. So, I mean, the bad part is for I would probably, between the two, I'd have to go bottom of the night just because it's easier to transport. When it comes down to it, not due to cost, not due to artwork, not due to anything else, but the fact that when you go places and you're already taking multiple games to like to do like a game night somewhere, that bottom of the ninth is an easy one to just throw in there. It takes up little to no space. Heck, I think the only box that I think I have smaller than bottom of the ninth is like one deck dungeon. And but it's one deck dungeon is still thicker than this box. You know what I mean? Right. All right. What about you, Steve? Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, I have to go with baseball highlights. I love, love, love this game so much. Um, it's probably it's easily one of my top competitive games of all time for sure. And it has a lot to do with the balance of the game, where I feel like they did such a good job figuring out the powers of all these all these players, and I, it just feels like every game winds up being close where anyone can win it. And I love that about baseball highlights keeps coming back to the, to the game. You can have that as well in bottom of the ninth. Don't get me wrong, but it's the style of gameplay, the deck building and seeing combos pop up. I love finding combos in games. Um, and I can definitely have that in baseball highlights. So for me, yep. Baseball highlights, 2045. So that's going to wrap up our comparison of baseball highlights and bottom of the ninth. I'm curious what uh, you guys think of these games. If you played them, feel free to send us uh, Twitter messages at MVP board games or join us on Slack and we can talk about these games, but that's going to wrap up episode. If you have any news or upcoming games you'd like to discuss, feel free to send us our way and you can reach us at Twitter at MVP board games or Gmail at MVP board games at gmail.com and we're active on facebook at one stop co-op cast on facebook and uh you can reach us at our slack channel as well and i'll put a link to uh get an invite to it in the uh, podcast description here and you can always just email or contact us in any of these mediums and we'll get you invited and added to that so join us next week with mike and peter as they cover a board game and follow up with another design discussion And thanks, Trent, for joining me today in this baseball-focused podcast. Not a problem, Steve. Glad to let you have me here, and bottom of the night's still better. (laughs) Oh, wait. Oh, oh, before I go, I have to give a shout-out to Ed at Heavy Board Games. This is my first podcast I've ever done, and I still haven't listened to one. (laughs) Thanks again for joining, and we'll catch you at the next stop. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Co-OpCast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please review us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out Mindless Fate. They provide our bumper music. 
Also, check out Colin on his YouTube channel, One Stop Co-op Shop, and follow us on Facebook at One Stop Co-op Cast. Finally, join our Slack group by emailing us at MVP Board Games for continued discussion on these topics throughout the week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. You're out of there. Bye-bye.